Mystery, the word as defined by Webster's means, any religious doctrine or body of doctrines that seems above human comprehension. A definition that perfectly fits the ephemeral enigma we present next. This is Michael Augustine. Clear your mind and sharpen your skills of perception. The Crusade Channel Mystery Theater presents part one of a two-part mystery. Sergeant Jack Edgbertson had settled into being a rural police detective in the sleepy countryside until one morning a woman, believed to be dead for 38 years, appeared at his office offering clues to solving another 38-year-old murder mystery in The Ghost of Clara Weller, still crazy after all these years. This week's five-minute mystery. It is a truth universally acknowledged that no man ever becomes a rural policeman for the excitement. Sergeant Jack Edgbaston knew this as much as anyone, and he had never sought excitement, or he would not have stayed in the sleepy town of West Oakley, where he had grown up. One morning, after a lengthy interview with an old lady complaining about the noise the young man next door was making practising his trombone, Jack was informed that there was a lady who wished to speak with him urgently. She seems a bit odd, warned the constable, who greeted her at the desk. I'm not sure she's quite right in the head. Jack realised immediately that he was dealing with no mere eccentric. The woman, Jack guessed to be in her late forties or early fifties, stood in the doorway of his office, regarding him with cool detachment. The first thing that marked her out was her dress. She was wearing what might be termed retro clothing, except that it was so clunky and tawdry that no one would choose that sort of ensemble as a tribute to late seventies fashion. She wore a jacket with padded shoulders and a pleated skirt in orange, cream and brown stripes. Even her hair looked heavy. The style so thick-set with large curls that framed the heavily painted face. On her left lapel she wore a gold brooch in the shape of a rose that might have belonged to her grandmother. How may I help you? asked Jack politely. I've come to give you a message, she said in an unnatural tone. Joyce Stanley has not run away. She has been murdered. Jack stared at the woman. The very name Joyce Stanley sent shivers down his spine. He was too young to remember the case himself, but he remembered his parents talking about it when he was a child. The wife and mother who had set out one morning for the office where she was a secretary and never arrived. Jack's parents talked of how the police had combed the countryside looking for her, how her husband had made tearful appeals for her safe return, often pictured with his little child on his lap, but how it had eventually been determined that she'd been having an affair and had abandoned her husband and child for another in faraway London. Madam, that case was closed decades ago. There was never any suggestion that Joyce Stanley had been murdered. May I take a name? My name is Claire Weller, she answered. Claire Weller? The name was almost as famous in these parts as Joyce Stanley's. 
Claire had been Joyce's sister, who'd taken her own life shortly after Joyce's disappearance, leaving behind a suicide note saying she could not go on without her sister and was going to go to Beachy Head. Always known for her depressive moods, Claire Weller's claim that she intended to let the sea take her was all too believable. But this apparently long-dead woman stood before Jack now, untouched by the years, claiming to know the fate of Joyce Stanley. May I ask what this is all about? If this is a practical joke, it's in very poor taste. For all I know, Joyce Stanley may still have family alive who remember. She may be alive herself somewhere. This is no joke. I did not commit suicide. I've come to you from the past to get the justice for my sister that I knew I could not get in my own life. And I will not rest. I cannot rest in peace until I have it. You won't believe any of this. But in the southwesterly corner of the town park, there is a small ornamental statue of Pan. You will find what you were looking for beneath it. With that, she turned to leave. Wait, demanded Jack. I don't know who you are, but you're not a time traveller and you're certainly no ghost or whatever you seem to be pretending. Give me a real name, please, and the address at which you reside. I live in the basement at 77 Mandalay Road. But there will be no point in you looking for me. I am beyond your jurisdiction. With that, she was gone. Jack stared at the open door, mesmerised. A moment later, he realised she'd left her handbag behind and he snatched it up, dashing after her. But there was no sign of her outside the constabulary or anywhere in the street. He stepped back into his office and opened the handbag to see if he could find a driving licence or some other clue as to who she really was. There was no driving licence... No phone. No identifying information whatsoever. Strangely, the handbag and its entire contents matched the retro figure Jack had just spoken with. There was a purse containing one-pound notes, when such things had not been in circulation for many years. Coins the wrong size. A library card with an expiry date of 1981. No credit cards either. Even objects such as the comb and powder compact belonged to another age. Jack had never believed in ghosts, but could there be any other explanation for this strange visitor? Listener, are you intrigued, terrified, puzzled? The Mystery Theatre asked you to hold on to those thoughts and patiently await part two of this mystery to be broadcast next week. The Five Minute Mystery Theatre returns next week with... The ghost of Clara Weller, still crazy after all these years, part two. You can listen to previous recordings at crusadechannel.com forward slash mystery. Until then, this is Michael Augustine reminding you that the spirit world is still a world.